Welcome to the R&R Podcast. My name is Ryan Shojinaga. I'm Jasmine Shojinaga. This is the podcast where we take a subject weekly, or thereabouts. And, We've had a bit of a break. I agree, so haven't we? Yes, we have. Um, we moved. You're interested in that, I know. We took a holiday. I know that you're also interested in that. This is a podcast where we look at a particular issue on any given podcast episode. We look at all sides, but we're not going to pretend to be unbiased. Um, we generally have a pretty slanted view of things, the hour slant. Not all the time. The right slant. I mean, like, we try to be objective as much as it suits our needs. <laughs> this week's issue, uh, fluoridation in municipal water supply. This one was brought to us, uh, suggested to us by um, Annika. It's a very relevant issue, actually. We're thinking about um, what's happening in Queensland at the moment. What is happening in Queensland at the moment? Just last month in March of this year, 2015, our health minister, um, Cameron Dick. Dick. <laughs> our health minister for, for the Labor Party, he ruled out mandatory fluoridation of Queensland water, which was introduced in Queensland um, when Anna Bly was Premier in 2007. So um, it was sort of questioned by the coalition when they were in power in Queensland and now Cameron Dick has come out and uh, ruled out um, mandatory fluoridation, which is interesting. Why? Um, I think that um, the speculation is that um, it's an economic decision. Um, one of the um, members of the Australian Dental Association has said that uh, politics needs to be separated from from this and, f- and fluoridation needs to occur where it's economically feasible. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I think what's probably happened is um, the Labor Party has given councils the option. Right. So they, they're, they're able to opt out of fluoridation rather than just making it mandatory across the state. Mm. Yeah. And, I mean, definitely there's there's areas where it's just not economically feasible to fluoridate. But I think what the Australian Dental Association's concerned about is that municipalities are going to opt out of fluoridation where it is economically feasible. Based on a community dis- or like a community opposition yeah, to it or, for whatever or, reason you know like um indecision or blatant opposition blatant opposition or just well we don't really know like we don't really know enough about it and or, we don't want to commit to it just in case there are health effects or, or it could just be a um a budget a line item exercise definitely, yeah in it could budget, be. come budget time yeah yeah um um so yeah like i think um there's a lot of like you know, from a health point of view, um, the Australian Dental Association is definitely very pro-fluoridation. Um, but um, also, you know, re- very recently UQ sort of came, you know, published a study that showed that tooth decay had decreased um, by 19% in children aged 5 to 9 in the Logan Bow Desert area, which is a quite a low socioeconomic area. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that was right after fluoride was added to the water supply out there in, in 2007. Logan Bow oh, Desert. Oh, really? That yeah. recent? Yeah. Yeah. Really recent. So, like... So, they have determined in that eight-year span that it's decreased... Nearly 20%. And they've attributed almost entirely or almost entirely to f- the introdu- introduction of fluoridation in the yeah. drinking water? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's... That's kind of interesting. And there's a few, you know, there's there actually are quite a few Queensland councils that have opted out of fluoridation. Yep. That is, they don't want their water to be fluoridated. Mm-hmm. Fluoridized? Fluoridated? Fluoridated. Bundaberg? They're instead going to... Not... Li- they're going to liquorify their water. It's the <laughs> Bundaberg rum. <laughs> there's not that many, actually. There's really not that many. There's just... There's, there's a handful or a couple handfuls, Bundaberg, Burdekin, Cairns, Cassowary Coast, Charters Towers, Cloncurry, Damadji, Fraser, Livingston, Mount Isa, North Burnett, Paru, Rocky, South Burnett, Southern Downs, Tablelands, and the Whitsundays. Okay, now, just on the face of it, those are there are a few in there that are significant. Quite large, yeah. Like Cairns, yeah. Bundaberg, yeah. Rockhampton, Rocky, yeah. Mount Isa. Mount Isa, yeah. You don't know why. Don't know why. Yeah. They just, the the councils have opted out. Yeah. So um, here in where we are in Roma, in with the Bungleshire. Yep. Yeah. Our water's fluoridated. Yep. Yeah. Um, but that could always be on the chopping block. Well, if come, council opts out. Yeah. Like if, or if there's. Budget like, time. Yeah, if there's opposition to it. And, well, once the coalition government releases its budget and. and uh, funds to rural areas has drastically decreased. Um, I think this is actually probably more of a state thing, though. Yeah. Oh no, I'm just making a joke. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just. That's I mean, funny, obviously. <laughs> so they're opting out of fluoridation. So, Ryan, what is fluoride? Fluoride is an inorganic mineral. Inorganic. Naturally occurring. Okay. Inorganic versus uh, organic, um, without getting too technical, it's the difference between things like metals. Like heavy metals? Uh, any any metal, metals. Any metal. Yeah. Um, when you think of like dietary supplements like iron, magnesium, calcium, those are all minerals versus in, uh, organic, uh, like vitamins, basically. Vit- uh, uh, like zinc. No, zinc is also a mineral. Um, vitamins such as uh, D, K, oh, A. Oh, yeah, vitamin um, so, oh, okay. So vitamins and minerals. Yes. Fluoride is one of the minerals. Is a mineral, correct. Yeah. You know, minerals tend to be not simple necessarily, but they're simple in composition versus like a vitamin is a, a, a fairly large chain of carbons, um, hydrogen. It's complicated. <laughs> technical <laughs> chemistry bullshit. But so, anyway, so, so fluoride is fluoride's an, an it's it's a mineral, it's an element. It is an element. Fluoride is the is the anion of fluorine, which is um, uh, halogen. It's similar to chlorine and chloride. We know those. Yeah. We also put those in our water to um, chlorine for chloride. Uh, yeah. To, uh, we well we put chlorine in there because it kills pathogens basically. Hey, if you want to get rid of any sort of nasty virus. Or a bacterial infection, just drink a drink a gallon of uh, bleach, and it'll get rid of the uh, the infection pretty pretty quickly. But um, 
Anyway. It smells. It smells. You know the smell. You yeah. sn- You know the smell of it in your water. Yeah. You can't smell fluoride. No, that's correct. Yeah. Um, fluoride is used in various, you know, for various purposes, including industrial. Um, it's, it comprises an acid, which is often very useful in the processing of things like metals. Yeah. Um, similar to like hydrochloric acid. Um, not quite as strong. Uh, fluoride is typically mined from um, from geologic sources, like uh, rocks. rocks. Yeah. Um, fluorite, which is calcium fluoride, or uh, calcium one calcium to two parts fluoride in basically an inorganic salt. Um, so you find it in salt. Not. Things like not what you not table salt, which is what you're thinking yeah, yeah. of, like a but salt, salt, like like natural salt, like seawater, like salt from seawater, which could have anything from calcium to magnesium to yeah. sodium, which is what people think of in terms of salt. So sodium yeah. chloride, which is table salt, basically, um, it's similar to that. Uh, fluoride is is mined most predominantly in Mexico and China. Um, so how do we get it over here? Do we import fluoride? Yeah, it's, it would just be any kind of uh, typical import-export um, commodity. So they don't mine it in Australia? I don't know. Okay. So, so, what, so what's water fluoridation? So we know what fluoride is. How do they get it into water? So it would be, you would have it in the form of a salt, like yeah. calcium fluoride, um, which then you would just simply dissolve in water. Mm. You would dose it- the water... They've also had processes where they add fluoride to salt and milk. Yep. Yep. Not as successfully as they do to water, though. But well, in terms of its uptake as a um, preventative of tooth decay. Yeah. yeah. Um, Is that just because, like, you don't have to buy fluoridated salt and milk, but if it's in your water supply, you, you don't to, have a choice. You, you do have it. a choice. But we're we're it's getting into the uh, into the ethical yeah. dilemma of it, which we can talk about later. Yeah. Um. Or I, I prefer to talk about it later. Yeah. But so what? They just they just add it into the water. Yeah, in whatever form it is, it could be some concentrate. It could be some uh, liquid concentrate. So how much do they put in there? Well, typical fluoridation is um, the the World Health Organization has sort of an upper W H O. Who. Has an upper limit of about 1.5 milligrams per liter. Um, the United, parts per million, right? Parts per million. Yeah. Uh, the United States oddly has an upper limit of four milligrams a liter, or four parts per million. Uh-huh. I thought that was no. Well, the well, it, it the is initially I got initially was similar the, to Australia, which is like 0.6 to 1.1. That's naturally occurring sometimes. So so. Um, yeah, but not here. No, correct. So there's, let's differentiate between naturally occurring and artificially um, elevated levels of... So we yeah. basically put in... So typical Florida, uh, fluoride levels in the water around the world range from about uh, zero, uh, one one hundredth of a milligram per liter, so uh, 10 parts per billion. So what's that? Zero point zero one milligrams a liter. Yeah. To about um, 0.3 milligrams a liter, or three hundred parts per billion. Yeah. 
Um, that's naturally occurring. There are areas, particularly in Africa, um, South America, China, China yeah. has, has elevated, where you can have massive um, or very large concentrations in drinking water upwards of um, 1.5 grams mm. per liter. And that kind of starts to get dangerous, right? Uh, it's, that would be a toxic, that would be what many people, what would be considered, or what could be considered a toxic dose. Yeah, so let's clarify fluoride at certain levels is toxic sure well so again naturally occurring is about um, 10 to 300 parts per billion in in artificially fluoridated water so municipal uh, fluoridated municipal water um, the the maximum dose is about 1.5 milligrams per liter but uh, councils and municipalities tend to they tend to cap it around seven or 0.7 0.7 or 0.8 milligrams a liter or 700 parts per billion to 800 parts per billion. Now, this gets into a bit more of the science of it. That sounds quite a lot higher than naturally occurring at 300 parts per billion to well, 7 to 800 parts per billion. It's double of that. Yeah. Yeah. More than that. More than right. double. But it's based on it's based that concentration is needs to be set by um, the region it needs to be set based regionally. That dosage of 0.7 or 0.8, which is seems to be what I've found typical, um, is based on regional factors such as other sources of fluoride, because um, you basically want to get a particular amount of fluoride per day. You're not worried about a concentration. You're worried about an actual uh, amount so, so it builds up and stays in there your bones are basically you uptake it through your skeletal system and yeah because your, your bones absorb it right and so the total amount is around 1.5 milligrams is per this day. a recommended so say you, you are a counselor at a particular government you're gonna fluoridate your water you want to know how much to put in the water what kind of concentration you want um you would take up all of the assumed sources of fluoride within a within the average person's diet, which could be anything from toothpaste to natural sources within your food. Um, like what? Anything. Um, the ones that I've seen, the, the, the sources that I've seen, um, which have like sort of naturally high um, sources of fluoride are tea, raisins, mm. um, wine. I think this is probably based on uh, um, geographic region as well. So like tea, for example, a lot of tea grown in China. Yeah. India has, also has a high um, mm. naturally occurring. You can also get it from air, right? But you can get it from air. You can get it from burning particular types of coal, coal which have, you know, elevated uh, fluoride in it. So you can just breathe it in. Um, but anyway, so you want to get, you don't want. Pharmaceuticals too. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. So you don't want to exceed a particular amount per day. Um, Which I think is a concern because some pharmaceuticals have extra fluoride in them and there's been some adverse effects found. Right. From, yeah. Right. And so the, 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 the conundrum of the counselor or the, the people who are charged with determining that amount is making those assumptions of how much your average person is getting in a day. Mm. So if you're going to fluoridate your water because you want to prevent tooth decay, you would want to... Um, make that average about 1.5 milligrams per day. For the average adult, there are sort of 
weight amounts for children as well and that goes by how much they weigh so for example if if you're a 15 kilogram you also wouldn't want more than 1.5 milligrams a day yeah you can get uh like you can actually look up the tables for yeah, your yeah. weight and age and height or whatever for right. how much fluoride you should intake a day and on then the australian fluoridation website oh yeah yeah we can put the link up on the on the website right so there's and then there's a tolerable upper um intake level so what you generally don't want to exceed such that you don't um induce poison yourself yeah or poison your constituents yeah um and those tend to be a bit higher obviously because you know you have a general normal operating range which you're trying to achieve you know healthy teeth um and then there's the range you know if you start getting up above that then um you might have problems like which we'll talk about later. Yeah. But um soon. Anyway, here in Queensland, um and this is the the water fluoridation regulation of 2008, um which you've said previously is now um an optional. If you're going to do it, they set the 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 limit for dosing it at, at um 0.8 milligrams a liter, which is again 800 yeah. 800 parts per billion. Um cuz they also have to accommodate too for um uh like people that live in warmer climates that drink more water. They're calculus of of fluoridation attempts to account for that and that's where the one of the danger lies is um it attempts to does it actually accommodate for that um i don't know i would generally say yeah i would say that they've they've um they generally get it right it makes me think though because i tend to drink quite a bit of water and um i mean obviously I, I don't have the I don't have adverse effects from elevated you know fluoride in my system, um, but yeah, if you drink a lot of water, you're getting a lot of f- fluoride from other sources, and then you have fluoridated water on top. Yeah, and I guess like as an adult, you kind of think more about the effects that that has on your children. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's think about the effects then. Are there any trace contaminants in fluoride? Ooh, trace contaminants. Didn't even think about that. Yeah, but like heavy metals and things like that. There's trace contaminants in everything. I would imagine that um, the sources of fluoride for drinking water, at least in places like the United States and Australia, uh, are probably pretty good. They probably test mm. them. Um, they do. They test them a lot, actually. Like I know just in Australia, they test them monthly. Are they testing what they've actually put into the water? Or do they test them? They're testing the chemical qualities of oh, public yeah. water supply. Oh, well, no, that's that's different. That's testing the end product, not that's the That's true, actually. It's product. not the tank water, yeah. But they test for lead, arsenic, and cadmium. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what are the other adverse side effects? Uh, I think the biggest one is fluorosis. Dental yeah. fluorosis and skeletal fluorosis. Yeah. That is when... Actually, why don't you explain what it is? Dental fluorosis? Fluorosis uh, Well, like, it's it's really, like, more of an aesthetic side effect. Like, it's just a discoloration um, that you get from having too much exposure to fluoride, really. That's the dental fluorosis. That's dental fluorosis. What's the other type of fluorosis? Skeletal. So when it, ha- when it is in too much quantity in your... 
in your bones, basically. Yeah. Um, and that can lead to uh, malformation yeah. and brittleness. So it just becomes um, highly brittle. Um, Which is interesting because I thought that fluoride was beneficial for bone density. At the right concentrations it is. Yeah. There was a study that they did in, um, in China that demonstrated the relationship between uh, concentration, so what you would get in your drinking water, and uh, the occurrence of fractures. Yeah. Um, and they found that at low concentrations, you have a higher incidence of fractures. Um, and that was about uh, three milligrams a liter or less. At higher concentrations, similarly, you you had a higher incidence of fractures. So you basically, fractures. you've got to have the right balance. Correct. Because if it's too low, right. there's that, higher fractures. If it's too high, there's high fractures. Right. And that, that high concentration was four milligrams a liter, which, if you remember what I said five minutes ago, was the U.S. upper limit of fluoridation yeah. in water. So oddly enough, the... Science sort of demonstrates you probably don't want to put this much in your water. Yeah. Um, but for you whatever reason. You probably want to make it like nowhere near that amount. Well, what m- most normal people do, and that's you make, you make it generally less than a milligram per liter. Yeah. Now, mind you, that's an upper limit that the U.S. has put on it. Most municipalities in the U.S. don't um, dose their water to that much. They yeah. don't. They don't put that much in there yeah well it's the same in australia it's really like it doesn't they don't dose their water really more than like one yeah yeah no in queensland it's 0.8 milligrams yeah. or so yeah yeah so what are the other risks um i mean bone fracture we talked about there's not really any evidence that um flu- fluoridated water at the right concentration has a negative effect on bone structural right. or, or density right um some of the other speculations speculations around health adverse health side effects are things like kidney disease because the kidneys obviously filter um bad things out of the body heavy metals i guess and you know just impurities and things like that not no evidence to suggest that it increases the risk of kidney disease um cancer no evidence no no mm. no um no evidence what people might consider reliable true yeah so most of the studies that have investigated this have been of quite low quality so like no no real high quality studies have been conducted that which right. is interesting and like i don't understand why right well the other things that we the, the other things that uh, people have tried to tie fluoridation to um, our uh, spontaneous abortion, uh, mm-hmm. birth defects, um, low IQ and Alzheimer's. Yeah, low IQ. That was an interesting one too because you kind of start thinking, whoa, is the government trying to make us all dumb so they can control <laughs> us? But yeah, no evidence to, to show that low IQ. But just, just to go back to, sorry, um, go back to the cancer thing. Um, I think there was a lot of speculation about that because of the bone, like because they – you know, focused on the fact that fluoridation, um, it, you know, it's it's more associated with with dentition and bone structure. So they they investigated like its effect on like was it increasing bone cancer? Um, and there actually have been some investigations that have shown a possible relationship, 
but nothing conclusive and nothing really reliable. So probably too early to tell. Yeah. Based on this. My point to this is, and so the study of fluorid, fluoridation, fluoride relative to tooth decay and, and bone health um, has gone back to the turn of the previous century. So around 1900, um, it started to, uh, there were studies that were linking um, fluoride and fluoride source, sources uh, to, to improved um, health, te- tooth health. Mm. So that's more than 100 years. Um, by 1951, it had become official U.S. policy that fluoride was beneficial to tooth health. Um, and by 1960s, fluoridation um, was pretty prevalent in you know, local governments. I think at that point, about 50 million people were... Uh, about 50 million people were receiving fluoridated water as part of their drinking water supply. I would imagine that anytime anywhere in the history of mankind anytime the government wants to do anything to something that is what is considered like a public resource there's going to be opposition to it and that opposition is going to try and mobilize they're going to try and drum up evidence against Mm. it so i guess you obviously like you're obviously pretty pro-fluoride like correct yeah and well not necessarily. Uh, well, I think no, that you, just, actually, you, you view it like the way that you that you term things, receiving fluoridation, like fluoridated water instead of being exposed to fluoridated water. <laughs> like it's, you know, the way that you phrase it is because you, you, you believe that it is a preventative health um, measure. Uh, I think that the evidence tends to suggest that it is. Yeah, and um, when, that I think it, that hey, it does, when you look at like – like um you know the the most um you know the biggest chronic health issue in children in the world is dental like tooth decay okay it's the most prominent sure health chronic health issue a i'm not 100% supportive of fluoridation of water um B, uh, tooth decay isn't a life-threatening issue. So to make the argument, it generally isn't. It's not. Well. It's not compared to other. I mean, it's not in the sense It's a quality of life thing. It's a quality of life thing. It's not just a quality of life thing because if you can't eat, and I'm a speech pathologist. This is where I'm coming from. It's one of the things that you look at when you evaluate somebody's ability to to intake food orally and once someone loses their ability to or to perform oral intake their life uh, their capacity for life degenerates significantly it's not no no it's not quality it's not quality mate yeah, it's, I think it is no no life it is life it is just life in general you can feed people with a peg you know, uh, you know when mm. you where you put like a tube into that's their a quality stomach, of life thing. It yeah, but it does not provide them with the same. If your quality of life goes down, well, generally quality of life you could link to quantity of life. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was just going to say. But if I'm not. Your I'm saying it's not like down, then your quantity goes down. But in too. terms of like other public health measures which aim to um, reduce health risk, they're all aimed at 
um, traumatic, traumatic and acute incidences like like a infection. Or, oh, definitely. It's, I mean, it's or not, things like you know helmets and and yeah, that's and true. But then, but you also have to think about long term effects of poor dentition, and that is things like that will impact healthy aging, quality very, very, of life. Yeah, it's not just about that. Once people start to get old, because when people ah, start old to get at that old, point. <laughs> and in an aging society, that's something we really need to consider. Anyway, you don't want kids losing their teeth. You don't want kids losing their adult teeth. My whole point is, is that um, people have object- have been objecting to fluoridation of water for as long as people have been fluoridating water, largely because the government been doing it and they don't like it. Yeah, and I so think in that I think sense, like a, I think it's a matter of um, a lot of people just don't like to be forced into into doing things. Right. Yeah, and that's what they feel this is, and. So I guess at least... I think that there's a strong argument for that. We can talk about that later. Definitely. No, no. I think there's a lot of ethical considerations around this too. Well, all right. Well, so why don't we talk about that then? The the arguments against fluoridation in water. Um, Other than sort of the adverse health effects, which, uh, you know, I guess we don't have a lot of faith in. You know, does it cause cancer? Does it cause birth defects? Does it cause... Um, kidney failure. Um, I mean, there's no evidence to say that it does, but like you know, you have your skeptics, definitely. Well, okay, with on that point, I, even though I'm not saying I'm not one of those skeptics either. Well, okay, so even though that there's no concrete evidence that suggests that it um, does cause other health, other effects, adverse effects than uh, fluorosis. Um, that's not to say that they don't exist. No. I think that there's probably some, you know, maybe there is some, uh, correlation, which could be in fact causation, um, which hasn't been explored. Um, I guess. Sufficiently. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's some studies that have started, that have come out with some correlations, like with, to, to bone cancer. That's kind of scary, right? Right. Well, and furthermore, like we, you know, there's, there's a lot of chemicals, in our daily lives that we don't really know the effects of, or we are only becoming aware of them now after basically long exposure to them. Yeah. Um, Especially I, like cleaning products, pesticides, like yeah. fly spray. Oh, there's actually, there's, um, what's that TV show on ABC? Um, I have a link to it. It, it talks about the potential effects of, of these things mm. in our daily lives. But anyway, um, they've been, you know, some of them have been around for a long time. Some of them haven't been. Um, they've only been around for a short while. But I think to use the argument that, well, we've we've objected to fluoridation for as long as they've been fluoridating is a bit short-sighted because maybe the science, maybe the technology wasn't sufficient to, to expose those um, effects. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't discount that it doesn't cause other adverse effects. Um, but with that said... I think the evidence that we do have so far is inconclusive and well, not only inconclusive, but rather dubious. Um, I think that the, the evidence against it is dubious. The evidence for it is more conclusive at the moment. That's what I mean. Yeah. So like, you know, the evidence saying that obviously it has beneficial health effects, like, you know, prevents tooth decay, um, you know, better for oral health, and then therefore then better for 
health in general. Quality of life. Quality of life, but also health in general. Like, you know, you end up with, you know, just oral intake is the first step of digestive of the digestive process, which no, is like one of the most important processes in our that's body. That's not true. Cutting it up with your knife, looking at it on the plate, even cooking it, eh? Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a pre, that's a that's the pre-oral phase. <laughs> let's no, uh, let's really get into detail about my the mind process is, of eating. My mind is digesting it before I eat it. Anyway, anyway. That, that's, it's like that song, I loved you before I met you. <laughs> How does that song go? Anyway. But anyway, it's, you know, it, it definitely is coming out with some conclusive evidence that it's beneficial for health. And it's a conspiracy. The adverse effects are inconclusive. Correct. So I would agree with that. Um, at the correct levels. Right. Obviously, we have conclusive evidence that at high, at a level that is too high, there are adverse That's health effects. That's not good. Yeah, yep. it's a poison. It's toxic at, the, at those types of levels. And it's just, you know, it is a bit scary because it's it means that you need to trust authorities and, and the people that work in the industry to keep it at the level it should be at. Well, it's not even that because even if they are doing their best job, the best job that could be done uh, in terms of being, you know, a city, a water engineer, or you know, a public health official, um, there's really a limit to what they can do in terms of safeguarding the public from. And this is where the ethical issue comes into play. Yeah, well, you kind of know about this firsthand, right? Because this, this is one of the things that you do. Uh, not a drinking water. More, I'm on the, the other end. Um, but uh, so when going back to the, what we talked about before with the um, the maximum. Uh, per diem dose, which is around 1.5, uh, well, actually about 10 milligrams for adults. Um, that's You don't really want to exceed that. Uh, the recommended for good oral health is about 1.5 milligrams a liter. But if that's what your dose is, or if that's, or not milligrams a liter, 1.5 milligrams per day, there's still no dose control. And this yeah. is a community-wide thing. Do you trust that everyone who receive, you know, gets that water, knows what's in it? No. You know... I also don't trust that everybody knows the other sources of fluoride in their daily life correct. and is able to identify if they're having too much or not right. or if their children are. Because I don't. But the water thing is... That's not a judgmental call. In the water, it's something that we do know. It's the one thing that on a, uh, on a community level we can control. And you um, can measure. Right. So, but say that we all, say that 60%, say that in a referendum, 60% of the people vote for fluoridation of water. So that means that you, and that's the threshold for passing um, that referendum. Uh, so now 60% of the people want it, 40% of the other people don't want it for whatever reason, but they don't have a choice in this matter. Now, it's not that they don't have a choice to get drinking water from an alternative source. But wait, they did have a choice. Right, but they voted against it. They voted against it. They still had a choice, but they live in a democracy where majority rules. So right. they did have a choice. Correct. But it's just the rest of them had more. But if it's something fundam- something as fundamental as drinking water, a you basic You feel it should right, be an independent choice? I don't know. Like I healthcare, have no idea. Like, like healthcare. 
Like um, the, this individual needs to accept X type of healthcare for it to be consensual. Because you have to consent to healthcare in Australia, which is, I mean, you know, like you need to sign a consent form saying I consent to receive this service. Correct. I, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know if that's what is um, needed. I would imagine that there are, for whatever reason, probably a lot of people out there who um, may be a bit bitter about it. Well, they've just made this a, um, it's not one of those services you have to individually consent for because it's a group um, public health initiative. Right. So it's not, they don't consider it as a health service that you need to consent for. Yeah, it's not it's not the same as forcing a, a health service on you. But what I was going to say before too with toxicity levels is, you know, everything, everything is toxic at certain levels, right? Like if you drink too much water, it can kill you. Do you know what I mean? Well, but uh, well, there's different. It's a matter of exposure and time. So you have um, what's typically thought of as acute exposure which is a high dose at a short amount of time so if you drink like six liters of water in like two minute, hours yeah yes everything is toxic at some concentration yeah. but it's also a matter of exposure so um in this instance in the instance of fluoridation it's an exposure of a low dose at a long over a long period of time yeah um i think for um skeletal fluorosis like the crippling kind of bone degeneration or uh, malformation it's um exposure of uh 10 milligrams a liter over 10 years something like that oh, okay. that causes that or or is has you know your wow, risk, that's a massive your, amount that right like, but there are people who are who live, in, who live in in communities and regions where that's the that's case with natural getting. drinking water mm. um anyway way to like take fluoride out uh, only well, generally by um, uh, reverse osmosis, which uh, is effective only it, it, to and pretty expensive in energy, um, like energy advanced um, treatment, basically. Yeah. So it's um, uh, actually I take that back. So um, for uh, normally fluoridated water, normally artificially fluoridated water, no, um, because this is such a low concentration. Um, you'd you'd probably have to either distill it. Or you'd have to push it through a membrane, um, and the membrane would be only effective to about you know anywhere from thirty to fifty percent at really high concentration. So if it's naturally occurring in your water at um, massive concentrations, there are methods. The World Health Organization does have you know scientific guides to um, for you know underdeveloped communities to to do that, um, and I don't know how effective those are. Mm. So. Mm. So, where do you sit? Uh, <laughs> I sit on the fence. I'm leaning over to the pro-fluoridation side of the fence. It's, you know, we, we, fluorid, we, we chlorinate our water to kill pathogens. It's quite effective. Um, it's generally pretty cheap. Uh, chlorine's, chlorine, I, I think, is acutely toxic. It's fatally toxic at certain doses. You have to regulate it a bit more, but we accept it as something that's um, necessary in our water. Fluoride is not acutely toxic, with the exception of really high doses. Um, 
which you really only see in in you know areas where it naturally occurs at those doses. I mean, mm-hmm. you wouldn't get it in your drinking water. Um, so the worst that's going to happen is you're going to you know get some uh, discoloring of the teeth if you buy that there are no other adverse health effects. It it seems to make sense um, from the in, from the informed consent and the you know um, the willingness of the public to take to drink fluoridated water um, i guess that's the, the question i don't know mm. but we, we you know we we accept a lot of things um we accept laws that we don't agree with we accept um customs and culture that we don't agree with mm. for better or worse i think like you yeah i probably lean toward it i think that it the benefit i wouldn't, I wouldn't join a protest march anti-fluoride in my water no I guess this, if I was living in a town that didn't fluoridate their water, I wouldn't care. If I lived in a town that fluoridated their water, I wouldn't care. You know, this is obviously targeting um, lower, lower so, socioeconomic, socioeconomic areas. areas, which are likely to be less informed about these kinds of issues. That are likely to uh, less likely to um, make informed decisions on these kinds of things. And they have less access to things that contain fluoride for dental health, like toothpaste and things like that. Correct. But nevertheless, um, we're making, you could, you could argue that we're making the choice for them without their knowing. And you could say, well, education is the other side to that, you know, go out and educate yourself about these things. Um, certainly places have done that. The city of Portland, where I'm from, they said, no, they've said no on a handful of occasions. Mm. Um, but the thing is like what about when you start looking at remote communities and things like that where you, it's difficult to provide education anyway let alone education on that do people even know um, what goes in their water or mm. what's in their water or do they do they care yeah I mean I mean in Roma the water is from the great artesian basin and this art this basin has a myriad of things in it better good or bad um, and it's treated before it gets to us. But I mean, sometimes it smells like sulfur and it's barely, you know, you can barely be in the house because of it. Um, other people complain of it when they put it in the teapot. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, you know, it doesn't sit well in the stomach kind of thing. But water is such a, it's an important resource and it's, an, it's a, and it's, and it's depleting. Good quality water is harder to come by. Yeah. anymore there's plenty of it you know water water everywhere but not a drop to drink um mm. no that's way. probably subject for another we we discussed this actually the other day on our trip home mm. but that's probably a topic for another podcast yeah i guess actually that um i before we sign off i would like to give a shout out to um, one of our favorite podcasts and that's the stuff you should know sort of the inspiration or one of the inspirations for um, this podcast. Uh, if you, it's, this is an unofficial advertisement for it, but if you ever, if you ever get the uh, notion to seek it out or want to listen to something um, on a long car drive, stuff you should know is definitely worth um, download one issue that one episode that sounds interesting. Undoubtedly they will have something that sounds interesting to you. Mm. So, so peruse their um, quite voluminous archive i think with that um anything more on the issue 
No, I think I'm done. Thanks, Nick, for suggesting the podcast topic. Join us next week when we talk to Olivia Murray, who's a professor of education in Portland, Oregon. Ryan's sister, mother, wife, um, sister-in-law, and author. just author and just all around really nice person. We're going to be talking to her about uh, queer inclusion in education systems. It's uh, for sure to be an interesting and thought-provoking thought-provoking conversation. Yes, it will be. Sayonara. Thanks, mate.